Welcome to the Epiphany Lutheran Church podcast. These messages, based on a biblical text, interpreting the hearer's situation, informed by Christian teaching, creatively proclaim the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth for forgiveness and new life starting now. Epiphany Lutheran Church is located in South City, St. Louis, Missouri. Our vision is to be a community that puts Jesus first, neighbors second, and ourselves third by gathering to be served by him so we can grow to love as he loves. Learn more at epiphany-stl.org. That's epiphany-stl.org. Our text tonight is built on all three of the readings, but especially our gospel reading, the story of Jesus being anointed by the woman. As it turns out, the woman being Mary, as John tells us. It was Holy Week. Jesus was only a few days from arrest and trial and crucifixion. But on this night, it was a celebration. And there was plenty to celebrate. It hadn't been that long since Lazarus had been dead and buried. Tonight, though, he was sitting at the table with Jesus. And of course, his sisters, Mary and Martha, they were there. It was springtime. The week-long festival of Passover was just around the corner. Jesus was among friends. It was a happy night and a happy place. But none of that is the point. No, this evening meal is recorded by Matthew, Mark, and John for one reason only because of what Mary did. John gives us her name. Mary, remember, had already made her mark in the gospel stories. She was the one sitting and listening to Jesus while her sister Martha cooked and was busy and losing her mind. But tonight, tonight Mary really made her mark. Sometime while everyone was seated, or as Mark tells us, reclining around the table, she came to Jesus with an extraordinary gift. Nard was imported. It came from northern India, from a plant that grew there at the foot of the Himalayas. It wasn't cheap. Mary had almost 12 ounces of it, worth 300 denarii, the quick estimate came, or about a year's worth of wages. It was worth not hundreds, but tens of thousands of dollars. This fragrant nard, nard came bottled in a pl- flask made of translucent alabaster, precious in itself. It was seamless, all one piece, the nard encased inside. There was no cap, plug, or cork. The only way to open it was to snap off the top. It was a true single-use dispenser. You could not use just a bit. You couldn't save some for later. So Mary used it, pouring it, all 12 ounces of it all over Jesus' hair and feet, everywhere. So why did she do it? Was it love for her Lord? Was it gratitude for the resurrection and healing of her brother Lazarus? Was it an act of pure worship? We can't know for sure. We aren't told what she was thinking. But we are told what the disciples thought about it. 
John's gospel singles out the reaction of Judas in particular, but Matthew lets us know that this time at least, Judas spoke for all the disciples. They were the someone who was grumbling that Mark tells us about. And the disciples, they were shocked. They could not believe what they were seeing. Just like that. Snap, pour, the flask was broken, and the entire content summarily dumped onto Jesus, just like that. Thousands of dollars worth of perfume were dripping onto his clothes and onto the floor, just like that. A year's worth of hard labor gone, poured out onto Jesus, just like that. They were right to be shocked. This was incredible. It was way over the top. I mean, sitting and listening while her sister did all the work, well, that was one thing. And Jesus had even managed to turn that bit of wasted time into a teaching moment. Good for Jesus. But this, this was different. This was money being wasted. Lots of money being wasted. It was wrong. It's hard to fault the disciples here, isn't it? Jesus himself had taught the lessons. Deny yourself. Avoid the foolish indulgences of this world. Scorn the world's vanities. Focus on the needs of others. Pay attention to the poor, to the marginalized. So why not take that luxury, that obscenely, embarrassingly expensive jar of pure nard, why not sell it so that the money could be used for something Something important, like helping homeless people or reaching out to people who had lost everything in the, in the middle of the night tornado. Why not use a valuable resource for a good, God-pleasing purpose like doing evangelism work or building a church for a remote village in Africa? How could anyone justify merely pouring it out on one person in one fleeting moment? This was over-the-top crazy. It's hard to argue with the disciples. They had reason, common sense, and even biblical mandates all on their side. They were being wise, careful, even spiritual, focused on what they knew was right. Honoring Jesus, yeah, that's fine, but... Don't use the most expensive stuff in the world and don't use so much. Disciples were being good conservatives, demonstrating great fiscal responsibility and even, even caring for the poor and needy while they were at it. They had a solid airtight case. But Mary, Mary was an extravagant liberal who knew no limits. She could offer not a word of explanation, much less justification. Mary was a misguided sentimentalist at best and a prodigal thief at worst. She was taking food from the mouths of starving babies to fuel an extravagant waste of resources. You understand the disciples, don't you? You can sympathize with their desire to play it safe and do things in controlled and careful and 
managed ways. That's the way we like it, controlled and reasonable and frugal and careful and responsible. Sudden extravagance is the opposite of all of those good things. Sudden extravagance makes us uncomfortable. It doesn't seem wise to give all you've got all at once so you end up with nothing left. It's not smart to give without any thought about tomorrow. That's why we give what we can afford and call that generosity. But where is the generosity if you're just doing what you can afford. You covet and hoard your time. You guard against getting overextended. But what are you saving your time for? Sacred hours staring at a screen? Some one-on-one time with your backyard? A few extra hours of fellowship with your pillow? Playing it safe. That might win points with your insurance company, with your financial advisor, and with your doctor, but do you think Jesus is impressed? I can't think of a single time in the Bible that someone was praised for playing it safe. Actually, it's the opposite. Every time someone tried to play it safe, it ended with a rebuke from God. It was that way for Abraham, Moses, Gideon, David, Elijah. And Jesus didn't praise people who used common sense and caution and choose the safe route either. The servant who buried his single talent to be careful was rebuked. The rich fool who had every future plan perfectly covered and retirement all worked out was condemned. We won't even talk about Ananias and Sapphira or the lukewarm, safe church at Laodicea. God is not impressed with the play-it-safe attitude. The conservative, play-it-safe disciples, they missed out. They failed Jesus. Here in Bethany, complaining about the wasted nard, they blew it. And a few days later, in Gethsemane, when Jesus was arrested, they blew it again. There they did the safe, reasonable thing, deserting Jesus and running away to save their their own lives. At Golgotha, only John mustered the courage to make a brief appearance. The rest, nowhere to be found. After all, we all know it was dangerous to be there. Better to play it safe, right? No, God is not impressed with caution. God's not gratified when we hold back. God's not pleased when we save something for another day. The disciples were wrong. Mary was right. And you see, Mary was not mostly right. She was 100% right. Jesus vindicated her fully. He conceded nothing to the complaint of the disciples. He didn't say, yeah, you know, they've got a point there, Mary. This time, this time it's okay, but don't get carried away with this kind of thing. Don't make a habit of it. Jesus did not gently remind Mary of the importance of balance. 
and the need to avoid extremes. No, he took Mary's side completely. The poor, that was a subterfuge. They had nothing to do with this. Jesus consistently proved his love and concern for them. And it was not an issue of making careful choices between competing goods. There was nothing here on this night to balance. Nothing to consider. It was simple. It was an issue of a broken flask. It was a matter of a vessel that had been broken. And now it could only be used completely with nothing held back. And you see the vessel that was broken was Mary herself. The alabaster flask, that that broken flask was only an outward expression of a much more important breaking. In her love for Jesus, in her desire to serve and honor him, Mary held nothing back. Like the broken flask that had to be used up once it was broken, Mary kept nothing back in her love for Jesus. She did not do what was safe or reasonable or expedient. She did what she knew she had to do. She gave everything. That's what was going on that evening in Bethany. Mary was a broken vessel, pouring herself out in eager service. Once she had been broken, she had to give it all. She could do nothing else. Jesus praised Mary because that total surrender, all-out giving, sold-out life, that's precisely what he wants for every one of his people. Mary was doing it. The disciples, well, they didn't get it yet. They were still playing it safe, trying to figure out the best, least expensive, most practical way to do things. The disciples were busy calculating, working the angles, being reasonable. Mary was just doing what broken vessels do. They give everything. Mary had it right. This is not a comfortable truth, is it? Don't wait for some practical word about the wisdom of balance to save you from the hard truth of this story. There is in this story no talk of balance or caution or careful planning. No, the point is the exact opposite. Broken vessels, broken people, all out, nothing held back, total giving. That's what Jesus praised. So, what's this mean for you? It seems to me that the lesson is at once obvious and painfully demanding. Jesus is not content with careful, play-it-safe followers. He wants people who spend everything, people who are broken and are pouring themselves out without limit. Jesus calls you to a life like that. He does not call you to a life of careful calculating and prudent saving, but to a life of all-out giving. He doesn't call you to live with caution and conservative saving, but with abandon and liberal spending. That's what Mary did. So, does this mean you need to go out and drop 40 grand on a bottle of perfume and then look for someone who, who could use a good anointing? Probably not. But it does mean that maybe it's time to pull out the stops 
to knock down the safety barriers and go all out in this living for God thing. I mean, what are you saving yourself for? What are you saving your money for? What are you waiting for? If Mary had waited just a week, she would have missed her chance entirely. She gave herself while and when she could. What are you waiting for? Quit playing it safe. Quit looking for the balance. Quit hiding behind the comfortable and the expedience. Quit honoring the reasonable, conservative way. Break the vessel. Go all out. Sell your big house and do something crazy with the cash. Give it to a missionary. Help build a school. Pay for someone's education or several people's education. Quit your fruitless, mind-numbing, safe, secure job and do something unreasonable. Invest yourself in work that makes an impact on others, even if it pays far too little and demands far too much. Get an education that will let you use your talents to serve others. Go to that forgotten corner of the world that needs your gifts and stay there. Die there. Walk down the street and talk to your neighbors about the difference Jesus makes. Pour your precious 24 hours each day into things that count for eternity. Refocus your priorities. Choose a lower standard of living and invest yourself in raising your kids and your grandkids to know and to follow Christ and to serve those around them. This is hard. Following Christ like this, following Christ like Mary, demands much. It's not safe or easy. It's not even smart. That's the way that it is with broken vessels, you see. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. It can't even be reasonably explained. It's just giving everything. Don't arrive at your funeral with unused energies, hoarded hours, and stockpiled resources. Spend what you've got now while you can. Spend it doing what God gives you to do. Spend it serving God's people. I'm not sure that Mary fully realized exactly what she was doing that evening in Bethany. She just did what she knew she had to do. And it was the right thing. Jesus was anointed, the Messiah, anointed again. But in this case, we're told it was more than an anointing for being the Christ. It was an early embalming, a preparation for the passion, death, and burial that was only days away now. You see, you never know what will come of your all-out giving. Just give it and let God do with it what he will. God's the one who called it the embalming. Mary didn't know. You see, God's full of surprises. Just think about it. It turns out that Mary was the only one who ever got to anoint and embalm the body of her sacrificed Lord. Those hapless women who waited until Easter morning 
They never got the chance. Amen. Lord God, help us to take seriously the challenge of being a broken vessel, following in the steps of Mary, following where you, where you lead. We pray in your name. Amen.